give it up for Jesus this morning. Happy Sunday. Man, you guys look great today. You look, tell somebody you look great. So good to see you guys. Hey, also want to take a moment. You can have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, I want to thank all those who give financially and support the work of Jesus here through the T through TFH and Atomas. How many have experienced God do some amazing things since you've been here? We've heard miracles. Come on, give it up for Jesus. He gets the credit, the glory. And uh, thank you for your generosity, though, because it fuels the mission. And uh, those of you who tithe, you give your first tenth, your first and your best, you bring it to the Lord. Um, lives are being changed every week because of your faithfulness. Little kids are growing up in the house of God. People are learning what it means to follow Jesus. New communities are being and relationships are being built all throughout the week. New ministries and, as you heard from Pastor Mike, new churches are going to be planted in the future. So come on, give it up for all those who are giving. And if you haven't started yet, please join us. And you can give one of three ways. Um, they're going to put that on the screen. You can give on our website, tfhnatomas.church/give. You can also text the number, and it'll send you a link on the screen. They also, that's a new thing, but they added a QR code. How cool is that? We're so techie. <laughs> Thanks to, to COVID for making that popular. Uh, and you can also, we do, we do, do old-fashioned uh, uh, offering bo boxes. There's a box at the end, at the en entrance or exit on your way out. It's that white TFH box. You can drop an envelope uh, or a check or cash in that box. Make, if you're doing a check, make it out to TFH Natomas. Um, I was talking to somebody this week after Pursuit, and she said, you know, I gave to Legacy, which, uh, which was our end-of-the-year offering. And by the way, shout-out to everybody who gave. That's helping us get into our building. So thank you, guys. That was a small miracle, nevertheless a miracle. But she said, you know what, I gave, and I was like, God, I'm facing some financial challenges, but I really believe that you're going to bless my effort. And she had just been, uh, it was something like uh, her job, they cut her hours or something like that, and or they weren't going to renew her contract. And she was kind of disappointed going into the offering, like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? But knowing in her heart that I want to participate in this. This is my church. It's our future. And I want to be part of the miracle. And I, I believe God's going to bless that. And she came back and she goes on, you know what, I gave that. And you know what my boss did? He came back to me and said, actually, scratch that. We're going to, you're going to have your job, you're going to move forward, you're going to stay employed. Come on, somebody praise God. So God works in amazing ways. So thank you for your giving, your generosity, guys. Um, I want to say welcome to all our guests here today. If you haven't received one of those great Connect cards that Pastor Mike was talking about, we'd love to connect with you. Um, relationships are important here. So if you need one of those, raise your hand and we'll put one in your hand and we'll have you fill that out. And you can drop it in the box on the way out. Anybody? Okay, everyone's got one. Well, if you haven't, fill that out, drop it in at the Connect table. And as a matter of fact, I would love to meet you. So if, if you have an opportunity right outside the door, there's a Connect area. I'd love to just get to know you and uh, just say, hey, um, you are an amazing preacher. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But just, say, just come say hello, and I'd love to get to know you. Um, welcome to the house today. We are in a series called Taking Territory. Turn to two people, tell them we're taking some territory. Just to catch you up to speed, um, in case you have not been in the loop or maybe you were sick last week, what have you, um, some key points from this series thus far, this is week three, have been how God wants us, I believe, for our church, but also the individual followers of Jesus in the house, that he's calling us to a season of taking territory, taking, taking ground. 
making progress, advancing. And that might look different for you uh, on an individual or a personal level than it does for the person down the road. But everyone can make progress. We can all grow. We can all advance. And some of you are going to take some financial territory. How many say that sounds good this year? Like, I'm going to get the job of my dreams or that company I've had in my heart. I'm finally going to launch it. Uh, hello, anybody? How many entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are in the house today? <laughs> We're praying for all y'all entrepreneurs. Amen. And do you know this? This might sound kind of selfish, but it's really not that uh, we selfishly, not selfishly, want you to prosper financially and in your business and in your career. Because when you prosper as a child of God, the kingdom of God advances. Are you, does that make sense? So it's like, God, bless the folks. Bless your people. Because we got a mission that is so much larger than any of us, right? And uh, so God wants you to advance. He wants to, you to take territory. As a church, we're, we're getting, our, getting into a building. Amen. We're going to get into our own building. And that's taking territory in a very tangible way. But it's so much more than physical properties and buildings. It's about building people in the future and planting our flag in the ground and deepening our stakes in the community and say, hey, we are here. And God is going to continue to build a church, a lighthouse for this city. Amen. And maybe God, the territory God wants you to take is actually finally getting back to that place that you've been wanting to get in your marriage. That you haven't been for a long time. And you don't quite tell each other that, but the, the pillow talk ended a whole lot long time ago. Maybe you don't even sleep in the same room anymore. Or job situations or what have you cause you to lose ground intimate in intimacy. I'm not talking about just sexual. I'm talking about just like knowing each other, ha having each other's heart. How many know we need to take ground in our families, in our homes, amen? How many understand that there is a very real enemy who wants to take territory from us? He wants to take our family. He wants to take our health. He wants to take a whole lot of things. The thief, Jesus said, comes to steal. Finish it for me. Obviously, you fought that same de devil, huh? <laughs> that same thief. So we've been talking about advancing, moving forward this year. And we're going to do it. Tell your neighbor, we're moving forward together. We're taking territory. And uh, we talked about having a grasshopper mindset. I was that last week? Thinking too small, limiting beliefs, right? Focusing on the giants in the land like the spies, the 12 spies, except for Caleb. And, and, and what's the other OG that he's like 80? What's his name again? Caleb and Joshua. Yes. Yeah, thank you. So, oh, Bible scholars in the house. Yes. Dr. Jim with School of Ministry. Let's get that going. Amen. He, anyway. But uh, we talked about how God will open up those opportunities, say, hey, this is what I want you to take. This is the territory. But we will experience internal and an external opposition. And sometimes our small mindsets keep us from seeing the grander picture, the big picture, the big vision. And it takes someone having a, a heart and a perspective like Caleb or Joshua and saying, hey, hey, we can do this. I can, I, can, I can move forward. I can grow. I can overcome. I can conquer because it's Christ in me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Tell your neighbor, you can do it. We're going to continue this series today. And uh, I want to open up in a word of prayer to just ask the Holy Spirit to open up our hearts and prepare us for anything he wants to say to us, even beyond the words in this message. So would you bow your heads with me and say, Lord Jesus, open my heart to your spirit. Help me to hear what you're saying to me as a child of God and to us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I took my son to do his uh, annual tryouts. How many, how many baseball 
junkies and parents in the house, and you, you're, all in, you're all about that sports life. You, you guys into getting into that season with me? Uh, my boy plays he, uh, baseball, and he, he did tryouts and sign-ups yesterday. Can I tell you something? Parking is horrible. What is wrong with Matilda's parents? We are a baseball community, aren't we? It's a very much in this area. Baseball, it's a baseball town. It's like even the parks, they have that. Where's the basketball court? <laughs> Biggest park in the area. We don't have a basketball court. And it's like, you know, you walk in and there's a big old arch in it. It has ba- bats that make up that arch. So it's a big baseball town. So I took him to go do his thing last year. And I'm so proud. So forgive the, the proud dad vibes, but I'm not ashamed of it. Um, he, he, was a, he, was a, he was a star last year. He had a breakout year. And I was like, yes, he's going to live the dream. I didn't get to live. I'm already making up contracts and hiring lawyers and agents and all that stuff. I'm like, the closest thing is Pastor Mike. So I'm like, bro, look this over. Make sure we're good. Make sure I get a cut 20%. You know, (laughs) I'm not a BA. That's dad. I get a whole other level. Got to factor in all the food, all the dinner, all the rent, all the light bills, all the stuff. Free counseling, you know. Everything, all over the years, all through the years. And um, we went in and uh, got, got there just in time. Parking was horrendous. And so we were we circled around trying to find a spot. We finally found one, and we got him in there, signed him up. He's doing his thing, running the sprints down the line and hitting and, and catching the ball. Here's a real quick clip. Now, you tell me, because I didn't know in the moment what happened, but check out this quick clip on the screen, and you tell me, did KO catch the ball or not? Okay. <laughs> If you say he ra- he ca- right. now, don't try to make me happy. Did, raise your hand if you say he, I, I saw it. He caught the ball. About half of you guys. So, and and half of those raising their hand are lying. They're like, I love my pastor, so I'm just gonna make him feel good right now. Appreciate the love, guys. That's all. You get it. Because I'm watching that, and I am the proud Asian dad, half Asian at least. But, you know, Asian dads with cameras, that's how we do it. We're born with a camera in our pocket. (laughs) Right? Come on. Am I lying? Like, if you're born in Texas, you're born with a gun. If you're born Asian, you're born with a camera. (laughs) All shooting is just shooting different things. And and so, you know, how does it work if you're a Texas Asian, man? Gotcha. <laughs> oh. And so, I, you know, I, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. And Eddie's right there by me showing some love and support. Also, he hired KO for free to go and help him. Uh, he's his boy. Mav's getting into baseball this year. So we're pumped about the kids starting to play. So KO's helping him with all that, all that stuff, c- getting gear and choosing all the, the appropriate equipment. And I'm standing there, and I'm feeling like a proud dad. I'm like, yeah. But what happened? Did you see Mr. Happy-go-lucky right there? Bro literally invaded my space. Okay, it wasn't my space because he's like 20 feet away. But it was in the space of my visual spectrum. And I'm like, he was just smiling. And I I don't know if you heard it at the end. I'm like, did he catch that? I obviously didn't catch it. But... And I appreciate the joy of that man's face and whoever he was greeting with that pleasant smile because I hope he shows up at our church and he shows up and he welcomes y'all at the door next week. If you know him, don't tell him I talked about him. (laughs) But I'm like, did he? (laughs) Did he catch it? It looked really good. It was a great effort. 
Or you just slow it down. You see that he actually did. And I asked him afterwards. He thought, I caught it. I didn't catch him catching it, but he caught it. You know, there are things that will pop up in life that will block your vision. Trying to capture these precious, uh, these precious parts of destiny that God wants for your life. And right when you think things are getting exciting, how many can understand what I'm talking about? Something blocks your view. Right? Right when you think you're making progress, something blocks your vision. Something interrupts your sense of mission and purpose and calling. And however you, whatever term you want to use, it, it interrupts the flow. It interrupts your game. It interrupts your vision. And you know, sometimes the things that block your vision and your sense of a divine mission are not bad things. Sometimes they're just not the right thing. Is anybody with me right now? Because maybe that job opportunity is great and it pays a whole lot, but you know it's going to kill your soul. Is anybody with me today? But you got to pay the bills. But sometimes you get into that situation and not have it, you lose your sense of identity and purpose and mission. And you get locked in a situation just trying to survive instead of trying to take territory. That's the problem. And I think sometimes what we got to discern is what is temporary and what is, 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 is actually moving us forward. Sometimes you got to take a season and take some blows and take some punches and take some less than ideal circumstances to, to, to get you through a season, but always be pursuing the next level and the next dimension of God's purpose for your life. Sometimes you got to go through a little wilderness to get to the promised land. But what Israel didn't understand is that God did not want them forever in the wilderness. He wanted them to inherit the promised land. But they had so much wilderness in Egypt in their souls and in their hearts that when the opportunity to advance and take territory came, they were not prepared for it. And they wandered for 40 years. And that generation never got to see what God had prepared for them. Somebody say, that's not going to be me. Tell your neighbor, that's not going to be you. Somebody say, that's not my babies. That's not my kids. <laughs> not my baby. Some, some of us got some things blocking our vision, sense of mission. Some churches got a whole lot of things blocking their mission. Sometimes it's an unhealthy board. <laughs> I, I, I had a friend years ago, and they, he was one of a series of pastors who tried to take on a role as a lead pastor of a larger church in Sacramento. And he took on that role, and they annihilated him. He was a super nice guy. Great vision. When he took on that role for whatever amount of months he did, he started hire, he hired a new pastor. That new pastor knocked it out of the park. He had kids from the surrounding neighborhood and impoverished areas coming, and they were skating. And, and people started complaining, what, why are those kids skating on the property? I went to one of their youth nights, and he had a talent show, and there was like 200 teenagers on a youth night in church. Any pastor, any normal pastor would be like, yes, that's what I'm talking Any parent would be like, yeah, any healthy parent, <laughs> any healthy disciple, follower of Jesus would be like, that's what I'm talking about. But a few disgruntled members said, no, 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 we don't want that element here. Uh, those kids are kind of rowdy. 
And he started doing things and making changes. And, and, and how many know change is sometimes what ruffles feathers? <laughs> I had to learn this myself a few years back. And eventually, uh, in spite of all the change, church was growing. People loved him, had a great loving spirit, very kind. But he was, uh, in the words of someone else, he was too nice for a mean board. And they were like piranhas, and they devoured him, and um, he, he didn't last. Um, you know, I think there's a special place in heaven. I wasn't, I wasn't going to say hell, because I'm not going to say people going to hell for being, but I, I'm going to say there's a special place in a dark corner of heaven in the broom closet for people who run off good shepherds and people who actually want to reach the lost. It's a very, very obscure place. It's pretty much forgotten. The only way they know your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, and only Jesus gets to look through that, and the librarian and angels of heaven. <laughs> but um, things will block the vision and mission that God has for you and for us and for the church of Jesus Christ, which we are part of that. And we've got to be discerning and wise in these times. Because maybe 10% of Sacramento is actually plugged into a church somewhere. So to folks who have this mindset, like say, oh, I hope our church never gets any bigger because we're already packed out in this service, which is awesome. Somebody give it up for Jesus today. And we got one more service to go. That's why we're getting in a building. Amen. But uh, 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 there are, there, you have that mindset. Can I tell you something? Can I t we all have baggage that we bring into new territory. And let me just tell you. Like the guy who's trying to make the flight and is running behind, the less baggage you have to carry on the flight, the faster you're going to be able to move through the lines and navigate and get to where you're trying to go. So if it's unhealthy, leave as much as the stuff behind. My dad was always great at this, right, Pops? He was always a light packer. I'm like, how does he get by with, like, this little minuscule bag? Now, ladies, maybe you are, but in my experience, now this is my experience, this is not a jab, but women just have a whole lot of artillery that's to bring with them. It's like we got equipment, you got tools, you got makeup, your bag has a bag, has a bag. I mean, you need a bag to carry all your bags. What's that bag for? What's that backpack for? It's to carry my purse. Like everything. You're not, I, I'm not going to say that, but you're, you're not a typical female or woman if you don't have a bag that carries something. Everything. My phone's got a bag. <laughs> got a shoe bag. Got a bag for my hair products, my makeup, you know, all the stuff. My toiletries. Women's got bags and bags and bags. All good. But when you're trying to get somewhere like Home Alone, and you're rushing through that airport, and you got a arms full of bags, you're wishing in that moment, I wish I didn't have all of these darn bags. And your husband's like, I won't lie. I got bags, too. I, my books need a bag. <laughs> I got a bag for books. That's about it. You know, I got a bag for my books and a bag to carry on wherever I go, a backpack, and then clothing. So that's kind of a lot, I guess. I shouldn't have done that. But God's called us to take territory as a church, and I want to speak to you about uh, uh, this topic. The title is No Place Left. Tell your neighbor, No Place Left. Becoming 
a church of multiplying impact. And I want to, there's so much to say on this topic. Books have been written by missiologists and church planters and experts on movements and revivals throughout the ages about uh, underground China, the Jesus people movement. We talked about revivals that broke out uh, last year and how we believe there's a greater revival coming in before Jesus returns. How many believe that the greatest stuff is still yet ahead and we get to be part of that? Amen. want to see it for our, our youth, our kids, our families. want to be part of that. But uh, uh, there's a lot to say, but I, w- I just want to draw out a couple of biblical principles that I believe with all my heart that these are essential if we're going to be a church of multiplying impact. When we say church, we're not just talking about an institution or an organism or organization. We're talking about a living organism, a living community of people with a very particular mission in the world. Tell your neighbor, we are a people of mission. And the first key, the first absolute essential key to becoming a people of multiplying impact. Because how many of us can say today that I want to live a great life. I want to live a big life. Life might be short, but life can be big. Can I get an amen right now? I was talking to my, gra- my wife's grandfather one year, and I said, Grandpa, you know what? <laughs> How old is Grandpa Ray? 98? He's 98. Thank you, Kiki. He's 98 and still going strong, right? I, I mean, he's strong as an ox. It wasn't, too, it wasn't too long ago, a few years back, where he hopped a fence. He literally hopped the fence. He hurt himself, but he hopped the fence. I, I don't, how many do, how many at the point of your life where you start to think twice before hopping the fence now? Yeah, you're like, that was a decade ago, 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. I feel you. It's a new struggle. When you're 16 in high school, 20-something, it's like, <laughs> now it's like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Tie my shoes. Daddy, what are you doing? I'm getting ready to hop a fence. Mind your business. If we want to multiply our impact, live big lives collectively and individually, be a church of multiplying impact, we need the movement and power of the Holy Spirit. We need the movement and power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the scripture. Acts 1.8, it says, but you shall receive power. Somebody shout power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. What did Jesus tell his followers, his disciples? That's what a disciple is. It's a follower of Jesus. It's an individual who follows the lifestyle and teachings of Jesus Christ. Who seeks to become like Christ. In fact, the, the, the derogatory t- term in the New Testament that was given to believers, or we were originally known as the way. Somebody said the way. You know, they didn't, we weren't just Christians. Jesus was like, hey, all y'all Christians, we're having a potluck. Let's go. It wasn't even decided. You know what they called them? The way. Whew. We were people of the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. How many are grateful that we know the way? We're a people of the way. But we were known as, we were called, and it was a put-down Christian. And the term Christian, it literally means little Christ or little Messiah. <laughs> so they're like, oh, there goes another one. Look at them preaching. What are they, oh, they're probably in church. What is singing? Oh, <laughs> they're so happy all the time. We know that's not true, but, you know, people have these 
misconceptions and perceptions of Christians. Oh, they're just putting on a show. <laughs> what are you doing? Drinking coffee, singing your ladies Chris Tomlin song? Or if you got a little more soul, you're rocking their Ur- curl at G- Kirk Franklin. What did he do? Make you want to stomp? <laughs> Y'all don't know about that. Y'all don't know about that, huh? That was the jam. What about Fred Hammond? Any Fred Hammond lovers? I used to listen to Fred Hammond eggs. Oh, and I mean, Fred, I used to listen to Fred Hammond in his shower in the morning. I got saved to Fred Hammond. Are you with me right now? No weapon. I am Fred Hammond. That is my spirit animal. I'm just kidding. He's not an animal. But he's a beast, man. Oh, I love Fred Hammond. Right, Jared? We love Fred Hammond. We love us some Fred Hammond. Man. It, he just took that biblical principle, and that, and it, it became like, yes, that is right. No weapon will prosper, right? I didn't know that could be a worship song. It's like those songs you sing to the devil. I command you, Satan, in the name of. I ever think that was a kid. We used to sing these spiritual warfare songs, and there's a whole lot of validity to that. It's awesome. But I'm like, are we just, did we literally just sing to Satan? I command you, Satan, in the name of the Lord, to pick up your weapons and free. I'm like, Daddy, are we singing to the devil? <laughs> it's warfare, right? We're speaking God's truth. This is a, an expression of worship, an acknowledgement in faith of his power over our enemies. Is that good? Is that okay? We need the power of the Holy Spirit, though. If we're going to m- live a life of godly impact, we can't do that unless we are infused and empowered by the very spirit of God, who is the third person of the Holy Trinity. Who's the spirit of God? He's the third person of the Holy Tr- Trinity. He's our comforter. He's our guide. He's, he's the one who gives us, who leads us in the way. Every, every person has been born again and is, has been called a child of God who has accepted Christ through faith and is a follower of Jesus. You are indwelt by the spirit of God. Now tell somebody you got the Holy Spirit. It's not something you earn. Some of y'all are wondering, like, do I got them? I don't know. Are you a follower of Jesus? Have you, have you, do you believe he died and rose from the grave? Have you repented of sin? Are you building that relationship? Well, then you probably have the Holy Spirit. You get convicted of sin. If you don't, you might start to wonder, do I have the Holy Spirit? But he, he convicts and he leads us into all righteousness and all truth. He comes to convict the world of sin and unrighteousness. In other words, he shows us what's wrong and he also shows us what's right. But we need the Holy Spirit if we're going to live lives of impact and power and making a difference as a church. Because there is a whole lot of church, a lot of great churches in our city. I know a lot of great leaders and pastors and movements and denominations. But i got to tell you, I also know a lot of churches where there is no Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I'm not the judge of that. But I can only tell you that if a false message is being preached, that's not the Holy Spirit. If we're glossing over scripture and skipping over passages because we don't want to offend society, we may be grieving, at the very least, grieving the Holy Spirit. But there is a point where Christians and believers and churches can, like, like that, that biblical concept of, uh, of, 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 of grieving the Spirit of God, where he will no longer fight with us. He'll no longer wrestle with us. No, no longer try to chug at our hearts and say, hey, I want to work this and heal you and set you free. I need repentance from you. There comes a point where we can harden our hearts like Pharaoh against God's Holy Spirit. It's a dangerous place to be in. I don't think any human knows exactly when that point is, but guard your heart. 
My, my best advice is, is when the Spirit of God speaks to you in an alignment with the Scriptures, which are inspired by the Holy Spirit, respond. The best way to keep your heart tender to the Spirit of God is to respond in obedience to Him. Give Him yes. Movement of the Holy Spirit. And as a church, that's why it's a priority for us to cultivate environments where the Spirit of God can move. Now, some days we give room for him to move, but we have a limited amount of time. There's a whole lot of times. We, there's a whole lot of things that are going on, and people are coming, and we're having new guests come in. And so we, there's a, we, we don't show all our weapons on every service is what I'm saying. But we, we have times that are dedicated to more freedom for the spirit to move, for the prophetic, for, the, for, for, for more time to experience healing in God's presence. That's what we have pursued on Thursdays at 7 p.m. I highly encourage you to get into those environments and to get into that place where you can cry out in prayer and in worship and experience the supernatural with us. Where the prophetic is released, the mind and heart of God is communicated, where we will believe for signs, wonders, and miracles and answered prayers. Is anybody with me today? We believe that revival is going to be birthed and masses and droves of people would encounter the reality of Jesus Christ in response to those prayers. We are cultivating an atmosphere of God's presence and power. I don't know how we can be effective disciples if we don't know how to cry out to God. Prayer is so critical to the life of a believer that it's like when, when, you, don't, when you don't practice this discipline of prayer and communicating with God consistently and growing in that practice, it's like holding your breath under the water and expecting that you can keep doing that and survive. We used to do that when we were kids. We, 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 we dunk our heads in the water and say, who can hold your breath the longest time we ever did that? I got to like two minutes before, and that's about it. <laughs> And the, the reality is that many of us, that's where we are, is we are suffocating and we are drowning. It's like we're taking a deep breath every week. Great service. Awesome. God is good. And then we hit Mondays like, here we go. Because I'm not going to have time to see God. Life's so busy. It is. But I have yet to find the passage of scripture that says when life gets busy, stop seeking Jesus. When life's hard, stop praying. When you wake up, when you're extra tired, don't call out to God. God understands. He knows your heart. He sure does. And the Bible says that our hearts are desperately wicked. You know what that means? It means that we're always fighting the things. We don't naturally. Somebody said, said this about culture. He said no, culture does not naturally gravitate towards health. And can I tell you right now that we do not naturally gravitate toward, toward things that are healthy for our souls. Right? But we can be aware because we are alive in the spirit. And we're like, oh, man, sometimes I get up in the morning. You know, you're a pastor, though. You must pray, like, all day long. You absolutely, that is absolutely not right. <laughs> I wish. I wish. I still have some days where, like, I, 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 I'll go a whole hour. I'm like, dude, I don't even feel like I heard God from God. I felt like I didn't connect. I felt like, oh, I couldn't, didn't know what to pray for. Have you ever had those moments? But it's in those moments where I trust that God is filling the gap and he's empowering me because my faith is not just in the practice. First and foremost, it is in the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So whether I feel like I'm having an encounter or not is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is I'm not chasing a feeling. I'm chasing a person. I wish somebody would praise God for that right now. And you have those days. Sometimes the seed you sow on that Monday morning and it felt like you just didn't cr crack the gates of heaven. 
is the thing that gets you halfway through the week. And then the next day in the week, and over a hurdle, and, and that wisdom is open because you, because you attuned your heart to the Spirit of God. And we're a church that believes in miracles, signs, wonders, healing. There is a shrinking element of the body of Christ that doesn't believe in the miraculous anymore. They don't believe in tongues. They don't believe in, you know, all the things that uh, just boring people don't believe. I'm sorry if that offends you. But because, you know, church is for people. And if they're going to do stuff for people, we should understand exactly what God is doing. Because his mind is not beyond ours, right? No, that's false. Here's the thing is, you know, people, they it, maybe it's background and religious upbringing. And, you know, uh, we have grasshopper mindsets. We can't see beyond our past experiences. I we love you. If you don't believe in those things, you know, you can come here and you can plug in. We love you. Everybody can walk into the house of God. There's a place to grow and learn and develop. But it's important to be honest. Like we are a spiritual church. That doesn't mean uh, I, I said we're a spiritual church. <laughs> and if some folks that, that they don't they're like what are you serious man i really love this church too y'all speak in tongues yeah i mean i don't walk around all day speaking in tongues maybe half the day <laughs> my wife used to kind of crack jokes at me because i'd be driving speaking in tongues I can only imagine the person in the car next to me. Like, what the heck is that doing? I don't mind because they probably think I'm singing my favorite song, singing to the radio. Sometimes I'll do a prayer walk. <laughs> Listen, I want the power of the Spirit of God. I want him to lead me and guide me and direct me because I know if I'm going to move forward in his plan for my life, I need his direction. I need his strength. I need his grace. I need his provision. I need his whisper. I need his leading. I need his provision and blessing. I need his favor. I need him to open doors that no man can shut and to shut doors that are not his will for my life. I need him to tear down strongholds and break chains. I need him to renew my mind. I need him to illuminate my mind to the truth of his word. I don't have just a foreign God who exists outside in some galaxy beyond my reach. I am indwelt by the spirit of the living God. Why would I not commune with him daily? The scripture says to pray without ceasing. It means I can have a constant relationship with God. And I cultivate that in pursuit. I cultivate that in my secret place. But it doesn't stop when I walk out the door. Amen. It doesn't stop when I walk into the cubicle or sit behind the desk or jump in an Uber. It goes on and on and on. I was talking to somebody lately. She's a new believer, and she came up to me, and she said, you know what? I had like three, four hours sleep. I'm so tired. Poor thing. She's like, you know what? And I jumped in that Uber, and God said, pray for that person. And she did. She came and found out that person lost a, uh, lost someone dear to them. And by the time she got out of that ride, that, that driver was praising God with joy and had joy in their spirit. See, when you have the Holy Spirit, he extends your impact beyond your limitations and your weakness and your tiredness. Can I get a witness here? If you feel like God can't use you, you can't. But he can use the Spirit of God working through you. You're not alone. Tell somebody you're not alone. He's with us. And when we lack, when churches lack, when people lack, 
a healthy, growing relationship with the Spirit of God, we will lack in a sense of mission. We'll lack in our sense of urgency to reach people who are far from God. People love a church that reaches the lost except when the lost come before them. Oh, yeah. Come on. Can we talk about it for a second? Because I wanted to undo some unhealthy things that are killing the culture of the kingdom in the body of Christ today. Because as a shepherd and as a pastor who loves Jesus and who loves our church and who God's called us to be, one of my responsibilities is to make sure that we guard healthy DNA in the culture of the kingdom in the house as it aligns with scripture and who God's called us to be. Oh, we've had people who have left the house because the music's too loud. It's all good. We understand it. Everybody can't rock with that. We'll just shout louder. We love you. Give me coal. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay, I understand. I understand. Because we forgot what it was like to be in the club, praising, praising the devil to loud music. So we come into the house, we got to be boring Christians. It's okay. You know, there's a whole lot of dead churches I could recommend to if that's your 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 cup of tea. It's okay. It's not there's different styles of music, different vibes, right? But I'm just saying it's like I have no impulse, I have no we have no 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 uh, uh nothing that compels us to say, let's lower the, let's change the way we do. I, I don't because when you know what you're called to, you know your mission, you know your assignment, it doesn't just tell you who you are, it tells you who you're not. And there's a whole lot of people who don't know who they are because they haven't understood who they're not. Even if you don't have precise clarity about what God wants for you in this moment, just start to think about what you're not. This might not be the door for me. I don't, I don't know, but I know, hey, hey, they're going to ask me to do things that compromise my relationship with God. It looks great, but I'm not going to do that because even though, even though I don't know what he wants for me yet, I know what he doesn't want for me. Are you hearing me right now? He's so fine. Oh, my gosh. He smells so good, Mom. But you love Jesus, and you're filled with the Spirit, and you've got the hand of God in your life, and you come to find out that he doesn't believe, he's a good guy, but he's not in alignment with kingdom values, and you tell yourself, well, I can reach him. Listen, you might be fly. He might tell you you're sexy and you're hot and all the things that he told all the 20 women before you. You might know who, not know who Mr. Right is, but you know who Mr. Not is. Are you hearing me wrong? You know who Mr. Wrong is. Don't go. Don't go there. Don't go there. Because while you're listening to a man that's a liar, a few years down the road, there is a man on fire who's waiting and praying for a woman of God who believes that there are great men in the world who still live with purpose. Somebody say amen. Listen, if you want to get with a godly woman, start going where godly women hang out. She's probably not in the club in a miniskirt. Love her, just not like that. Because you might get the girl, but you're going to get everything that comes with her. And some hospital visits. 
And you have to be honest. If your ex, if your present reminds you of your ex, she probably is your ex with a different set of clothing and makeup on. Sometimes we just have to say, Holy Ghost, I surrender. Show me the right one in the right way. And even if you don't tell me the right way right now, help me to remember who I am. Help me to remember who I'm not. Help me to remember where you're taking me so that I do not get deceived and blinded to greater things that you have in store for my life. We need the Holy Spirit. Tell somebody, we need the Holy Spirit. I'm going to move on. Second, we need a missional mindset. A missional mindset. Somebody say mindset. Been talking about that on a missional mindset. Mindset is so important, isn't it? The greatest athletes in the world, the greatest success stories in the world in any any realm of society, whether it be in relationships, in the medical field, or in entrepreneurship, or 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 in the business world, or or in, in parenting, they are successful in what they do because they have a certain mindset. You don't get a Shohei Otani who pitches and hits and kills it and commands, you know, millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars for a team in the Los Angeles. You don't get two players costing over a billion dollars that the Dodgers forked out for two Asian athletes. You don't get that unless you had a certain mindset to put you in that position. Are you with me right now? That's what sets those who make progress and take territory and achieve God dreams apart. It's having a renewed mind, a renewed sense of identity. It's having this mindset that I can go where God has called me to go and nothing can stop me except for myself. And that's so true. The devil can't keep you from growth. The devil can't keep you from a healthy marriage. The devil can't keep you from your calling. The devil can't keep this church from going. The devil can't keep you from becoming the leader you're meant to be. The only one that can keep you from all that God wants for you is you. And when we stand before the Lord and he asks us, what did you do with the treasures and the gifts and the resources I gave you? We're not going to get to say, well, my mama, my daddy wasn't there. Pastor Matt didn't. He's going to ask you one-on-one, what did you do, son? What did you do, daughter? Romans 15, 23 says, but now as there is no, no more unoccupied ground in this part of the world, and I have for years past been eager to pay you a visit. That's the Apostle Paul writing to the Roman church in, in the New Living Translation. It, it words it this, this way, but now I have finished my work in these regions. Somebody say, finish the work. And after all these long years of waiting, I am eager to visit you. He's telling the Roman church, he's saying, listen, I am in the eastern, likely the eastern part of Rome. I preached the gospel. I planted churches. I've raised up leaders. I've built teams. We have been working hard, praying, fasting, doing what God has anointed us and called us to do. There's nothing left to do out here. So I'm really hoping I get to visit you now because I'm ready to scout out the next territory. I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to encourage some folks along the way. And hopefully I get to see you. Listen, we've got to get to this point where we have the mindset, what God has commanded me to do and called me to do and put in my heart to do, I am going to do it. I'm going to seize it and I'm going to fulfill it until I can say there's nothing left to do. I've conquered the territory. I have achieved the God dreams. Now it's a season of me opening my my heart to see what else he has before my mission on this planet is done. Tell somebody he's got a lot for you to work on. Tell somebody else he's not finished with you yet. Tell somebody else you can do this, buddy. Tell somebody else I'm with you. Ask somebody, are you with me? Tell somebody it's all mindset. We mission-minded. Paul completed his mission because he took to heart 
what Jesus had called him to do. There's a whole lot of things in this world that are worth doing. They're good things. My question to us tonight is, are we a, a body of believers and Jesus followers who have something worth dying for? I think the most boring life is living a life where you're not, there's nothing in your life worth risking it all for. Nothing worth offending people for that's so good and so beautiful and so God inspired that you say, I might lose a few friends. I don't want, I'm not trying to hurt people or offend people, but I just realize if he's leading me into things, not everybody wants to go there with me. But it's worth the loss because the gain's so much greater. It's worth it. He might call me to change cities sometimes, jobs. He might call me to expand my circle in one season and shrink it in the next. It's not. He might, he might call me out of the boat and into the waters. I'm going to have to learn some new things, renew my mind all over again. Just when you think you've matured in your faith, you start to find that you're just beginning. Until you realize you're just beginning, you haven't really grown that much. Sometimes you feel behind, but what if what God is showing is that you're finally learning what he's trying to teach you? Yeah, God, I feel like I'm just, I feel like I should know more. I feel like I should be beyond this point, but I feel like a, a six-month-old. I don't know how babies, how the babies start walking. I was six months old, my mom told me when I started walking. Isn't that crazy? Six months old, yeah. You got pretty good balance these days. Six, can you imagine a six-month-old? Like I was the same height, but I was like walking and I was wearing diapers. I was pretty quick though, so I, I, maybe that had something to do with it. I was pretty quick in sports and I was pretty fast. Yeah, not, not so much these days. I could still beat you, son. <laughs> Paul said, I'm going to fulfill the mission. And what we need today is churches that are mission-minded. Paul's work of preaching the gospel and planting churches was so extensive and he was so committed to it that he could say, I'm done with this region. I finished it. There's nothing left for me to do. The churches are thriving. They're making disciples. Everywhere I go, people have heard the gospel. What if we could say that about Sacramento before we're done here? What if we could unite with the churches around us and say, before Jesus comes, let it be said in Sacramento, there is no place left. How would that look? What if every campus and every college and every university and every high school, there was a representation of the kingdom of God? What if people always knew where to go when they needed to know Jesus, to learn of the things of God? What if every kid left church on Sunday equipped and prepared for Monday on a godless school campus? What if they knew who we were, who we are, who they are? And they knew they were not just victims of society, that they are people on mission to impact the world. It takes a kingdom mission mindset. And, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people during the week. How many people, per, per, people people are in the house? 
I'm an introvert. How many people-oriented introverts are in the house? You're like, I love people. There's this misconception that introverts don't like people. No, we love people. We just don't love them all the time. (laughs) Like, like, let's visit. Okay. Ah, Two hours in. Go home. Time for a nap. Or our extrovert counterparts are like, party! And the introvert tells, yeah, keep going, keep it going. I'm going, but you keep going. <laughs> love people, right? Love people. You don't get into ministry unless you love people. You shouldn't. <laughs> like, don't. And so what I try to do is surround myself with people who are energized by people. So that when I deplete and I have to go home and take a recharge and read a book and be, have quiet time. They can keep the party going. Amen. (laughs) All the introverts after service, we have a nap room in the back, so no one's talking. No one's looking at each other. No judgment. (laughs) Please silence your cell phones. Introverts are in the room. Napping for Jesus. (laughs) There's two concepts that uh, this anthropologist, um, (coughs) these, these terms that he came up with. One is liminality. Somebody say liminality. I'm going to close. The other is communitas. And liminality is this idea that uh, of being in state of in-between or transition. It's a state in which you are going somewhere, but you're not there. You're leaving something, leaving uh, a state of being in terms of your relationship to society around you. And you're leaving that previous condition, that previous relationship to the world around you and moving into the next. For instance, the research on African tribes and how one of the uh, one, one, one way in leading young men into adulthood or manhood was that during the night up to the, uh, uh, they w- well, their mothers would pretty much, pretty much predominantly raise them and nurture them, do all mom stuff. But when they turned 13, at some point during the middle of the night, the men of the tribe would come and take the boys from their moms. To be like, Junior, hold close. <laughs> they take their boys from their moms. And they go and they circumcise these 13-year-olds in the wilderness, in the jungles, in the bush somewhere. It sounds kind of, I know, it's kind of wild. It's kind of weird. <laughs> but this is where, this is, this is, how, this is, this is how they became men in, in their understanding. And then they would leave them in the jungle to fend for themselves for a period of time. Maybe weeks, maybe months. And they'd lead them. They had to hunt and kill and, and survive. Sounds like Hunger Games, huh? <laughs> Liminality. They're in this place of in-between transition. They're no longer boys, but they're not men yet. Is this making sense so far? Y'all tracking me? They're not, bo- they're not boys anymore, but they're not men. They're, they're not where they were, but they're not where they're going or where they're supposed to go. And in the process of liminality, the in-between phase in their lives, they would most cases, inevitably, they would start to develop a sense of camaraderie. Because when you're in the juggle and stuff's being cut off you, and you're like, oh, my gosh, mommy. Can you imagine that, men? Hello. Ouch. 13, in the jungle, half naked, and all you got is your homie. David, Eddie, Josiah, Ronald. <laughs> you start to build community and friendships. And you start to survive together and fight together and, and help hunt together and take care of your little tribe or your little community until eventually 
When they deemed you were ready, you were brought back to the tribe, and they say, you are now a man. You're a man. Communitas is that 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 principle it's that it's that circumstance in which a group of people become a community by virtue of a common vision or mission or suffering or pain or ideals that they encounter or experience in life is this making sense so far and this is how it is with the church because American and Western mindset is this, listen, we are a social club. We're all about coming together and loving each other. We're living care bear. Every Christian just love, 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 love. Because Jesus loves. And God is love. No, you don't think God is love. You think love is God. And there's a big difference. There's the big difference between God expressing himself through love and idolizing the principle of love. Because when you idolize the principle of love, you make the object of love an idol and a God before the living God who expresses love in perfection. <laughs> and so we have a Care Bear society that says, no, it's just about love, love, love each other. It is about love. It's about God's love. It's about biblical love. It's about the kind of love that says, I will lay down my life so that others might live. I will lay down and sacrifice so that others will experience Jesus. That is Christian love. Christian love is underground Chinese Christians fighting for a Bible, hiding it in their crevices so that they can preach the gospel to another generation, even if it means imprisonment. Christian love means saying, no, I don't know where my pastors and my disciples are because you know if you bust them out in a persecuted culture they will die so you say take me before my brother wow but Christians today we can't even beat the spirit of gossip and we think we're committed to the gospel that's not the love we're about Get that out of here. Send it to hell with every lying spirit. It's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Sometimes this gospel is going to offend our suburbanized mindset and say, oh, it's not just about comfortability. It's not just about catering to the saints. It's about mission. It's about life transformation. It's about defeating the powers of hell and darkness. <laughs> it means that people are the mission and I hear it in conversations multiple times this week I'm like where is this coming from people over mission no for God so loved the world that he gave that he sent he sent his son on a mission the mission is about the people it's about the loss it's about getting it's never about catering to 20 years in christians so that we can make to make sure that everything is cute and nice listen if you're going to be in a real church if we're going to be a real church people are going to stink sometimes people are going to have attitudes people are going to come in addicted and broken because guess what that was us we were lost but we're now found we were in darkness, but we're now in the light. If we're going to be a real church, if we're going to be a Jesus-filled community, then our identity revolves around the mission of Jesus. The only reason the church exists in the world today is for the mission, to reach people. People are the mission. 
We are people of the mission, for the mission, by the mission. Church, thanks for joining us today at our Sunday service. We're so happy that you got to join us today. And don't forget, if you've never been to one of our services, I want to encourage you to come every Sunday. We have two services that are available for you at 10 and 11.45 a.m. And don't forget, if you're not following us on social media, follow us because that's where all of our updates are going to be for the church. And we cannot wait to see you next week. God bless.